In this episode, part one of two, we're going to think through the main differences between consulting and coaching. What exactly is behind the consultant versus coach dilemma and why it matters to you and your business. You'll learn four key practices you can use in your client relationship that can enable you to move seamlessly between roles when working with a client. Come join me. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to have this two-part series on the consultant versus coach dilemma because it comes up so often when I'm talking with people and not just people starting out in their consulting or coaching business either. It can come and rear its head at any point when there's a little bit of confusion around what you do and how you do it. So that's what we're going to tackle today. And in part one, we're going to really get behind what's the dilemma that we're talking about and why what you call yourself matters. So let's dive right in. Choosing the right professional identity is important. It drives the approaches we take when working with clients. So deciding what to call yourself, the consultant versus coach dilemma, can significantly impact your success, attracting the right clients to your business. Likewise, if you're looking for business support yourself, which one would you be more inclined to look for? Consulting and coaching are both focused on helping to solve problems and bringing about change and improvement. The difference between a consultant and a coach as a professional identity is not really about what is achieved, but how it is achieved. In this two-part series, I want to talk about professional identity and the consultant versus coach dilemma. And I'm going to explore this with you from two angles, both of which I hope will be helpful to think through. Firstly, if you're a small business owner, service provider, entrepreneur, which most of my clients are, and feel free to attach to whichever term you resonate most with, of course, and however you see yourself. And then I want to say that what you call yourself matters. Choosing a professional identity in business is not just a nuance. It can be critically important. That's because calling yourself a consultant, coach, or any other kind of label predicates the approaches we take when working with clients. Maybe you say you're a business consultant or a health coach or a therapist. And I think to a degree, it's easier if you're a professional with a clear specialist area, such as a graphic designer or a relationship counsellor. But even there, you have a challenge to differentiate yourself from all the other people who call themselves that too. We'll come back to this later on in the episode. What if you choose to see the consultant versus coach dilemma as an opportunity or a choice rather than as a dilemma or attention? If you're the professional looking for the right label for your brand positioning, this is something you'll need to consider carefully. And here's why. Because the second way I want to come at this is the other angle is where you are the customer. 
And when you are looking for support for your own business or life or relationship, how do these different professional identities and labels affect how you see their expertise and the role they're going to play in supporting you? And how do you know which kind of support your business really needs? That's what we'll get on to in part two. First, today, let's start by looking at the key differences between consulting and coaching and explore why does it matter what you call yourself. The key differences between consulting and coaching are nicely laid out actually in a recent article by Forbes and there's a link in the show notes to that source. But I feel that there's some nuances that aren't as easily explained by the typical distinction as they make between, say, a directive and a non-directive approach. Typically, you hire a consultant for their specific expertise in an area you need help with. They're on a pedestal as having been there, done that, and they are both great at the strategy and at the implementation. They have extensive experience. When you're working with a consultant as an advisor, they don't generally turn your problems into questions. They're not there to draw it out of you. They're there to give advice and offer solutions. Coaches, on the other hand, While they may or should ideally be experienced working in your industry and have great knowledge and a grasp of the subject area generally, they're more there to get the best out of you. In coaching, there tends not to be a hierarchy of who is more successful, experienced or knowledgeable. You enter into a partnership. As a coach, our expertise also lies in the coaching process, developing an effective coaching relationship. We're skilled in knowing how to help our client turn a barrier into an accomplishment. We are not there to be an expert on everything the client knows about or does in their work, business or life. It's true that we do market ourselves or brand ourselves as a particular type of coach, say a business coach, a life coach, an executive coach or a health or relationship coach. And that's usually where we have either experience of a particular industry or sector or where our biggest skills and passion lies. But we're not there to be an expert and know everything about the subject matter. So why does what you call yourself matter? Using the term consultant or coach as a professional identity or other labels we choose can impact our success in business. Why does it matter what you call yourself? Well, the answer lies in the expectations and perceptions of your clients. If you identify as a consultant, your clients will expect you to have deep expertise in a particular area and to provide a clear plan of action You may even be a mentor to that person. If you identify as a coach, your clients would expect you to provide guidance and support in developing their skills and their mindset. Using the right label for your professional identity can help you attract the right clients and manage their expectations effectively from the outset when you're trying to attract people as well as through to onboarding them and developing the relationship. Now, as the world evolves and new needs arise, there are many opportunities for growth and development. And this may mean flipping roles between advisor-consultant, which is more of a directive role, and coach-confidant, which is more non-directive. As such, you may want to consider more hybrid models in the proposals for work you make. Exploring your professional identity can be a fun journey, even if you're several years into running a business. It can reveal fresh meaning and purpose in your work. If you offer consulting and coaching, 
or you've ever looked to work with a consultant and or a coach, undoubtedly at some point you will have come across the consultant versus coach dilemma. Your chosen professional identity and the labels and roles we use as service providers can affect how clients perceive you, the type of work you're hired for, and the expectations they have of you. Additionally, the labels you choose can impact your own mindset about your role, approach to the work, and ability to achieve your goals. Therefore, it's important to carefully consider the labels and identity that you adopt and how they may impact your success in the industry. In my book, Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age, I talk a fair bit about professional identity, and there's a couple of ways this, I hope, is helpful. In chapter three on leveraging you, so leveraging your expertise, I cover defining your professional identity. And in chapter four on leverage marketing, I dive more into reinventing your professional identity so that you can switch from the standard label to something a little bit more about how you really help people and achieve results for them. And here's why you might want to do that. Firstly, because when I've worked with clients who are just setting up in business, experts and service providers, consultants and coaches especially, they either spin around not knowing what to call themselves or they simply adopt the standard labels of their profession or use past job titles even. Heavens, pretty unimaginable. On the one hand, yes, people may immediately get what you do, but on the other hand, you won't stand out amongst all the other people in your profession with the same title. You're just a commodity. What you want is to be unique. And if this is the case for you, then I urge you to get the book. It's an encyclopedia and covers the gamut of starting, building and growing a service-based business, from identifying and attracting clients to fulfilling on the delivery of services they contract you for and everything in between. And getting super clear on your professional identity and what you'll call yourself, it's one of the cornerstones for the business that you're building. And if you already call yourself an ex-consultant or a Y coach, you might just need a little bit of reinvention. If this is an area where you really need to do some work, then I also recommend Dory Clark's book called Reinventing You. It's brilliant. Your professional identity and the thinking behind it provides the foundation for every piece of content you create, every piece of marketing you put out there, and every conversation you have, be it answering the what do you do question at networking events, introducing yourself in a presentation, or on a sales or enrollment call. Right, so let me come back to the first angle I mentioned, which is about establishing your brand position. So let's talk about this under the title brand positioning and the distinctiveness challenge. Have you ever struggled with what to call yourself? If you have, then you may also have wondered for your own business, do you need a consultant or a coach? Or maybe you'd look for a mentor. What do these terms mean to you and your target market? For example, on the opening header of your website or the headline in LinkedIn, what do you say you are? You only have a limited space to capture the essence of your professional identity and pitch. And sure, you can say a lot more in the about section on both your website and LinkedIn or any other social media profile for that matter. But really that section should not actually be about you. It's not a space to plonk your media bio or list all your qualifications. Contrary to belief and common practice, an about me profile should be about your ideal client, who they are, what they struggle with and what you do for them. So in this regard, does it really matter what you call yourself? That question again. 
I was so tangled in this. I even started referring to myself as a consultant coach because I couldn't decide or didn't want to have to choose. I mean, honestly, a hyphenated double barrel, it's absurd, but that's how much I felt I had to put all my eggs into one type of role or professional identity or join two together. And I still do to the extent that I'd say I tend to work more with consultants than I do with coaches, but that's not strictly true either. What I tend to be good at is working with B2B type businesses. But again, I also work with business owners who provide services and programs B2C. So the consultant coach hybrid didn't really hit the mark either. And this is because more accurately, there are even more than two roles that I'm playing in the work I do with clients. Depending on what the person or team or business or organization needs, call it a proposal of work or a project or a program and action plan, like my Leverage Business Accelerator, there'll be a mix of provision. Let me give you some examples and you'll see why my program is pretty distinctive compared to many other coaching programs out there or the way many other consultants work. Are you starting to get this? Right, so examples. First, I do strategy, obviously, and create 90-day business plans with milestones and targets so you can see what's been achieved in any given accelerator period. Second, I leverage online course materials and guides. I provide planners, templates, and checklists. It's very practical. Third, I dive into a platform or tool and get my hands dirty to sort something out on a tech issue for a client. Four, I review or even write sales pages or email copy. And lastly, I create nicely designed brochures. My clients love what I come up with, even if it's just for a starting point and they go hire a professional designer further down the line once they've got sales and revenue coming in. To get someone moving, I pretty much will turn my hand to anything that speeds things up for them. And I have a huge range of experience and expertise to do a decent job. I often tell my clients that um, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. But actually, I remember way back uh, someone, a colleague in university saying, yes, but Jay, you're jack is more like everyone else's ace. (laughs) I thought that was so lovely. But if they need help further down the line, we can pull in copywriters, designers, or tech specialists. But taking imperfect action, that I can help them do. A lot of the time with consulting proposals, we talk a lot about the scope, the scope of work, and what's in and out of scope. And sometimes this is great because it gives you boundaries and it allows you to stay within the value for money and you know you're not feeling resentful of being pulled in to do work that isn't being paid for essentially but there's also an element of you know just get it done and if it's not going to something that's going to take you hours and hours then why would you not just pull that in as an added bonus and the client's delighted and this is what it's all about is getting results and having client satisfaction This way also, my clients are freed up to focus on interacting with their leads, prospects and clients working at the top of the tree rather than getting bogged down and stuck at a particular step. So I'm continually called to switching roles between consultant, coach, advisor, trainer, outsourcer, designer, tech specialist and more of these labels. You might ask yourself the same question about where on the spectrum you lie in what you do and how you work with clients. What do these words conjure up for you, for your own professional use, or for how your clients might perceive you and what you do? Is there a pecking order, or is it about a skill set? 
Is it about flexibility and adaptability to what's needed in any given period? That single question when starting a business can be alarmingly challenging. It's something that ties a lot of my clients up in knots, sometimes for several years. Or at least when they come to me for help with brand positioning or strategic marketing, they may be many years in business and this is a dilemma they still face. And they think they want advice or guidance on the strategy, which is why I often call myself a business strategist. But what I find when we dig a little into this is that they're getting in their own way. So I can consult with them ad infinitum and I can create a strategy, but they're not going to implement something or execute effectively unless we crack what's going on inside their head or heart or even their soul. And that's the coaching element. And for some, it's going to take some deep coaching over time. So while we're working on the practical action steps to develop and grow the business, we're also in parallel working on personal development and growth. I refer to this as the outer game and the inner game that business owners, entrepreneurs, and many professionals more widely have to be aware of. It's way more straightforward to identify a specific niche in terms of the industry we work in and the people we help if you have your ideal client dialed in. We call this your customer avatar or persona. When you have this ideal customer avatar identified and have your professional identity clarified in terms of how you work with them, you will or should be able to focus all your offers and marketing and sales collateral on some very specific messaging that is most likely to resonate with that audience. From that standpoint, I want to share a way of looking at the consultant versus coach dilemma from your customer's perspective. So let's look at how we perceive the consultant versus coach dilemma as customers. One of my new clients this year is a graphic designer and she's also a whiz at visual branding. And during our strategy session and many conversations since, we've talked a lot about how her clients perceive the work she does and can do and what they mostly come to her for first. And that's logo design. After the initial conversation, as a customer, at that point, they realize she can help them with way more than just the logo because she's helped them see the logo is the tip of the iceberg of a much bigger, more holistic way to think about their business visual brand. Now, the interesting part is that they may come to her as a graphic design consultant or service provider, but what they get in that conversation is actually a bit of coaching, even training. They learn to see what's in their blind spot about the process of logo design and the questions you need to ask about brand values, target customers, style and personality as a business owner, and so forth. They not only end up with a great logo for the business, but also a great confidence in what their business stands for. The bigger, more strategic shift this has enabled for her is that she doesn't want to be in the commodity pool. She wants to position herself as working more at the premium end. Her ideal client is not someone who's looking for a high quality logo with all the thinking and consultation behind it, but only wants to pay $50 for the finished product. Her ideal client is someone who understands what goes into a high quality logo and knows the value of a great designer in that whole process. For them, they're expecting the price to be in the $500 to $1,000 range. And there's a coaching element as well as a consultation element and there's a design element and there's a 
client management element, there's a lot that goes into a really great co-creation process. And you get the results that you want because you've invested in that process. And by the way, if you're looking for someone who can help you think through all of that, her name's Hannah Brotter. She's a Norwegian graphic designer, massively experienced, and it's been a joy working with her. She's so funny. Um, go look her up at yourbrandvision.com. We're just working on the website, but you can book a logo brand consult and see where the conversation takes you. Back to professional identity, and here's why we're working on her website. Perhaps she might call herself a logo designer, a brand strategist, a graphic designer. The second two labels back up her excellence as a logo designer without scaring anyone off. Everyone wants the best and she's not competing with Fiverr or Upwork for creating logos. You get what you pay for in this business, as I explained. If you pay $50 for a logo, you're going to get a $50 logo, which may be fine for your needs. But if you want the logo to be the flagship ambassador of your business and you're ready to invest a lot more, then go figure, you're going to get a great logo. And you're going to have an understanding of what a visual brand can do for a business. And Hannah spends a lot of her time teaching and educating. All of her marketing is around helping people to shift their minds and shift their worldview as to that whole concept of you get what you pay for. Anyhow, I hope that's helpful as a deep example of what I'm talking about here. You have to meet your customer where they're at, reflect their worldview, so to speak, and educate them to understand the value in what you do and how you achieve the result they're actually wanting. You have to fill their current blind spots so they can see what you see as the expert and appreciate more the steps to success. So how do we go about reflecting your customer's starting point in our professional identity? Noticeably, Hannah currently calls herself a graphic designer, a strategic brand manager and interaction designer. I don't even know what that means, but I'm super curious. But do her average clients understand any of this? We may need to look at it, but there's nothing wrong at all with those professional labels that interaction design is very up and coming area of specialism, I'm sure. But you have to think about where those terms appear in relation to the customer journey, especially on your website. So those are some of the things we're looking at. As she told me, the main thing her clients come to her for in the first instance is they want a logo, either a new one or to revamp an old one that's a bit tired or dated or just not very good and they never liked it or felt much excitement about it. They have what you might call logo shame. Lots of problem and pain language in there, right? Now, if her clients are looking for a logo, the professional identity they'd most associate with this is not a brand strategist, unless they'd already done their homework and that then means they are much more knowledgeable and aware of the visual brand development process. No, they'd be most likely looking for a graphic designer. So we created a whole lead magnet and email series just for prospective clients who want a new logo. And on that page, Hannah's more likely to lead by saying she's a highly experienced graphic designer and brand strategist, not the other way around. What she doesn't want to do is say, I'm this top visual branding specialist because it's going to put off the people who are at the outset and just think they want a bit of graphic design doing for a logo. They don't yet understand the logo design process and how enlightening it is when you come at it the way that Hannah does because she's a visual brand expert. Do you get the difference? You have to meet your audience where they're currently at, not where you wanted them to get to. Perhaps for this purpose, simply I'm a logo designer might work best as her professional label. 
but because she really wants to work with a business owner to help co-create their entire visual brand ensemble, she starts with an exploratory conversation about the logo needs and the design strategy would flow from there. So how do we move between consultant and coach roles? So next we're going to discuss how to move across these roles in a sort of seamless and elegant way when you're working with a client or any other roles where you find yourself kind of torn between different hats that you might wear. And this is a topic that many professionals really struggle with. And some create very clear boundaries about what they do and don't do as a coach. And personally, I don't find that very helpful. I think you want to get your client results. It doesn't matter which hat you wear and what's the nature of the work that you do in order to achieve those results. But yeah, that's just how I think about these things. So I feel this is quite an important topic because many consultants and coaches often get stuck in one role or they struggle to switch between the two or they set up boundaries that just aren't helpful for their practice. And before we dive into the details, let's return briefly to the difference between the two roles so as to really ground what we need to do to move effectively between them. A consultant's usually hired for a short-term project and are expected to provide a clear roadmap for achieving the desired outcome. And a coach, on the other hand, is someone who helps clients achieve perhaps their personal and professional goals through a long-term relationship. Coaches focus on developing their clients' skills and abilities to improve their performance over time. So the challenge then is knowing when and how to switch between the two roles when working with a client and when a certain area that you're helping them with becomes like a mini project. So let's talk about this next. How to switch seamlessly between consultant versus coach roles. As a consultant, you're expected to have all the answers, provide expert advice and solve specific problems for the client. You're hired for your expertise and knowledge in a specific area and the client expects you to provide a clear roadmap for achieving their desired outcome. As a coach, you're expected to guide the client to find their own solutions and support them in their journey. Coaches focus on developing the client's skills and abilities over time to improve their performance. Balancing these two roles can be difficult, but it's essential to be able to switch between them to meet the client's needs and expectations. There's four key practices that I feel in my experience on both sides of the client and consulting or coaching relationship can help here. The first steps to understand the client's needs and expectations. You need to have a clear understanding of what the client wants to achieve, their timeline and their budget. If the client needs a quick fix for a specific problem, then you should act as a consultant and provide a solution. However, if the client wants to improve their overall performance, then you should act as a coach and focus on developing their skills and abilities. But you also might want to work those two things in parallel. Number two, clarify the boundaries. It's also important to establish clear boundaries between the two roles or how they interact. And as a consultant, you should focus on providing expert advice and solving the client's problem. And as a coach, you focus on developing the client's skills and abilities over time. But how do they interplay? But you want to really set out how those two roles interplay. You can do this at the start through a letter of engagement, a scope proposal or a coaching agreement. 
And in practice, you can set this out in the action plan you'll work on in the partnership. So the third and fourth way of setting this out is about communicating and reviewing the roles and the relationship. So number three is communicating the roles. And it's essential to communicate the way you work and how it may vary across the plan of work you do together. There's a certain power relationship that can exist with a client that further exacerbates the consultant versus coach dilemma. Communicating the nature of the partnership as well as the scope of work is important. Acceptive principles or standards of presence can be a useful way to bring transparency here to what you and the client are each responsible for bringing to the relationship. When you communicate, review and discuss these roles and boundaries clearly to the client, both at the outset of your work together and in your client agreement and your first meeting, it can really help set the relationship up for success. And then number four is to review the relationship. As well as communicating and agreeing the relationship and what you'll each bring to the table, you'll also want to review the relationship as you go forward and whether it's working for all parties. Sometimes things don't always click between you and a client, and you'll want to explore where the dissonance is happening. I've been in situations with a coaching client, and particularly if they are themselves a coach, where they might say something like, it's a style thing. But what's often going on is that they don't realize you're wearing your consulting hat, because that's what you feel matches their needs. They wonder why you're not coaching them. Or you can be in a situation where you use a non-directive style and the client just wants you to tell them what to do. They want and need direction or think or feel that they do. It's important to have a clear understanding of your skills, expertise and the services you offer to choose the right label for your professional identity. So let's wrap up this part one with a summary and key takeaways. First, we looked at what is the difference between consulting and coaching and what exactly is behind the consultant versus coach dilemma. Second, we dove into brand positioning and the distinctiveness challenge. And finally, I gave you four key ways that you can set yourself up to move seamlessly between the roles when working with a client. Next time in part two, we'll flip things. And we'll look at this from your own perspective as the customer of consulting or coaching. It should really help you think through which kind of support you and your business really needs for the stage you're at. And maybe what you feel you need for yourself in terms of business support is a bit of a mix, a chameleon of sorts. When you have a coach who's adept at moving between roles and practices, you'll go much faster by achieving your objectives in the most effective way. Until the next time, for part two, it's Ciao Ciao from me. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community.
And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.